0: Hello everyone and welcome to episode 520 of Locked On Canadians and thank you for making us your first listen of the day every single day of the week. We are free and available on all podcasting platforms. I am one of your regular hosts. I am Scott Matla and I have a tweet to share from my co-host who texted me going, why is the account blowing up? What did you do? Assuming that one, I, a perfect Twitter child, would ever do anything wrong, uh, From Laura, she is enjoying her vacation. She should be back for tomorrow's episode. So for tonight with what was basically the Habs AHL lineup in the lineup, wow, in the lineup tonight, it is late here in New York, by the way. I asked our good friend Ian Boisvert to step in to talk about tonight's Habs lightning game, and Ian, we were thinking the Habs were going to get blown out, and instead the Rocket came out and put the defending Stanley Cup champion on the ropes pretty much all night.
1: Yeah, I feel like this was the first game this year where the loss felt I mean no no loss feels good. Uh but it seems like the this one was the most exciting game they've played in a really long time. Um they took probably the the best team in the Eastern Conference to the, you know, to overtime. They had several leads in the game. They're a very very young team. I'm looking up and down their lineup now, like looking at at who should have probably Then in Laval, had everything gone the way the Canadians would have wanted it to, um, it stinks. The result isn't what stings. It's it's how they got there. Um, So, I mean, you know, still good vibes. I'm still vibing on this team. I had a lot of fun watching a lot of guys score their first NHL goal or first NHL points in their first game. So um, they're pretty good stuff. Yes, we are here to celebrate big, momentous
0: occasions like Cedric Paquette's first point in a Canadian's uniform. Bully, bully, no. bully. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I thought he had like a secondary assist at some other point this season, but oh. this game felt very different right from the outset because that first goal was set up by michael Pozzetta working his ass off and getting that puck back to the front of the net and allowing lucas videmo to slam it home for his first goal of the year and his first goal in over 600 days lucas videmo's last nhl goal was against nashville the day before the league shut down last time so if the league is shut down tomorrow when you were listening to this uh you can blame lucas so it's uh it's a good feeling and then rafael harvey pinard got his first nhl goal Uh, Corey Schooneman got his first NHL point on the same play. Sammy Niku looked great. Kale Clay got his first NHL goal. And David Savard, out of everyone on the ice, dangled Victor Hedman and sniped his first goal in a Canadiens uniform. There are so many good vibes coming out of this game. And we'll talk a little bit about the system and everything. But all things considered, it took... A, I don't want to say a meltdown because Tampa was always going to be a tough out in the final part with the goalie pulled. We knew that was coming the unfortunate situation to be Nick Suzuki. He breaks his stick, blocking a shot. The puck is going to be cleared and it hits him in the pants, stays in the zone. And then Corey Perry ties it with uh, what just about a minute under a minute remaining. That's just absolutely brutal and it's tough. And Sometimes that's the way things go. You know, that's hockey. But, you know, getting to overtime is still good. And then in overtime, I thought there were two calls that the plot one, I can kind of see letting it go. Kulak did have the puck, but the trip on Jake Evans is just indefensible to not call that. It, It was ugly. It was dumb. And I don't care that they lost. It's how they lost in this game. And it really... It really it stings like I know losses are good for the tank and this was a good positive experience for a lot of guys but losing like that sucks I don't care if it's the last game of the Stanley Cup finals or if it's a meaningless game with half an AHL lineup playing those guys deserved better out there Elliot Friedman basically said said the same thing on Twitter that the Canadians deserved a better fate. And that's about as close to someone in Friedman's position as he can say that he can say they probably got jobbed a little bit without crossing a line and having the NHL get mad at him. So I I'm hoping this continues. Uh, Like I said, we'll talk a little bit about the system coming up in our next segment, but Ian, I, I don't really have a whole lot of negatives from that game player wise, even I don't know if it was coaching wise, but like I said, we'll get into that. But player wise, I'm real happy across the board here.
1: Yeah, I mean, Samuel Montembeau is, has typically been a minus player with the Canadians. Um, they've granted you have you wonder how much of that is just him, how much of that is is the team in front of him. In this game, when the Canadians didn't have their best um, going, he was the only thing keeping them in this game. Uh, he stopped Alex Colarene twice on breakaways. Um, he made a bunch of really really big saves. I think he made one. Uh, on a backdoor pass when Tampa had the goalie pulled, he made a save that I think kind of went under the radar where he came, he went post to post. I think he got a piece of it, um, but he was fantastic. A guy that I, I, I sort of maligned at this point, um, knowing that he's not really in the, the long-term plans for, for the Canadians. Um, but he, he battled out there. He battled for the guys in front of him. It was really cool to see uh, Rafael RV Pinard. Um, he looked, he was working hard that, that whole line, with him, Ryan Paling, and Cole Caulfield, they generated quite a bit. Um, they're still young, like you know. There's not a ton of NHL experience between them, but um, it was fun. It was fun to watch this team play hockey again for the first time in a long time. Even though this isn't, you know, the actual Canadians, it's it's an amalgamation of players within the, within the organization. But it, you know, they they put on a good show. They put on a good effort. That's all you can really ask for at this point in the season.
0: And i wanted to touch on montembo too because i've noticed this a few times this year is that he starts a little bit rough and then he's just dialed in and i thought he was extremely good for in that situation he made a lot of big saves he settled down nicely and i know he might not be long for the nhl roster whenever Carey price gets back but goddamn, if he isn't trying at least you know tonight's game was about effort and heart and we talk a lot about cliches and wanting to avoid that and stuff, but you can't tell me that the Canadians didn't put everything out there in this game. They, The only thing missing was Michael Bezzetta, you know, fighting somebody, which I'm kind of glad he didn't do that. They played one of their best games of the season after a very long break. They played really well against Philly. And when they're playing like they have nothing left to lose, things are getting better. And I'm hoping they continue that. And, you know, we might see a Cam Hillis, a Brandon Baddock here in the lineup soon because who knows what COVID is going to hit or what injuries are going to hit and God knows what else. Uh, but coming up in our next segment, Ian I are going to take a look at how the Canadians actually played in this game against Tampa and can they keep that kind of momentum going? We're going to have that coming up next. But first it's the new year. So that means new year's resolutions. And if yours is about getting fit or eating healthier, make sure you include Built Bar in your plan. Bilt Bar is the protein bar that tastes like a candy bar and maybe even better than a candy bar. It's got all real chocolate on the outside and there are so many incredible flavors. You can get raspberry, chocolate orange, double brown, double chocolate brownie, peanut butter brownie, German chocolate cake. There's so many good flavors out there. They are great for after a workout. They're great for in the morning They're great if you're just hungry and want to snack at some point. They're low in calories, low in sugar, low in carbs and high in protein. They are absolutely everything that you need in your protein bar. Honestly, I can't help but recommend them enough. And like I said, there's so many incredible flavors to choose from. So get yourself one of their variety packs from their website. If you go to built.com and use promo code LOCKED15, you're going to get 15% off your order. So that's built.com, promo code LOCKED15, and get 15% off your next order. Trust me, check it out. You're going to love Built Bar, folks. As always, thank you for making Locked On Canadians your first listen. And for your next listen, please check out the Locked On NHL podcast because starting on December 31st through January 6th, you're going to get bonus World Junior Hockey Championship coverage from Tyler Cool. So check them out on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, wherever else you get your shows, folks. So, Ian, we talked a little bit about how the players are, they kind of just, you know, played with their hearts on their sleeves. But I look at this game And I saw a lot of things that we haven't seen this year. And I saw what looked like a completely reworked Canadians attack. It was supportive through the neutral zone. It was aggressive in the offensive zone. Defensive zone coverage is hit or miss, but given they are playing with two and a half NHL regulars, one of which is a 21 year old uh, sophomore who is still learning the North American game. I think we can forgive that. So I'm curious... I'm not alone in just seeing things that I wanted to see in this game, right? Like I saw more aggressive play. I saw them taking chances instead of just kind of admitting defeat against a obviously much stronger Tampa Bay side.
1: Yeah. I I think I saw a lot of the same things you did. And and I think that the biggest difference maker for the Canadians offensively in this game was actually their defense. Uh, You you know, you looked at three of their goals were generated by defensemen jumping up in the rush. Um, The, the Clay goal was, you know, the was uh, paling and and Pinard and uh Caulfield. uh Caulfield, Caulfield, thank you, rolling through the neutral zone. Caulfield finds a defenseman trailing. What that speed does for the offense is it backs up the Tampa Bay defense. And you, when Kale Clay gets that puck, he's got a football field in front of him to, to, to maneuver with. Uh, he's able to work his way in, move the puck in deep, and he, he gets a good shot off. Um. You know, there was that one. There was the the uh, this, the play that Niku set up, where he jumps up in the rush. He kind of fumbles the first pass that was trying to go across the slot, but he maintains the puck. It gets deep into the corner, and he's able to toss it up to Harvey Pernard, who's in front of the net. Instead of having a, a you know a defenseman be the person that pinches up and is in the slot for that pass, um, it's it's Pernard because the defenseman is already in the corner, having pushed all the defense back. The same thing goes for the Savard goal. He he notices a, a puck sitting that's you know on the blue line on its way out of the zone he's able to to move up and even when he gets that puck he still has space in front of him it doesn't hurt that he was able to you know pants victor hedman which is kind of an incredible thing for anyone to do in this league um you know and he was able to get by him get a really good shot and score a goal so i think i'm hoping that we see more of that you know activating the defense get them moving yes sometimes semi is going to jump up in a play and it's not going to go well. And the puck's going to go back the other way. And with the Canadian's defense and their goaltending, there's a good chance it goes in the net. It, You know, that sort of thing is kind of baked into the pie already. Like, none of that matters. It's nice to see them try to take those chances early, especially against a team like the Lightning, who they know the Lightning only need one shot to score. They, that's essentially what they did in the third period. Uh, you have to take your chances offensively. I really liked what the Canadians did, moving their defense further into the offensive zone.
0: And, and I think for me, the the clear sign that this game was different is that that Kale Clay goal, because I watched him kind of walk into the slot and I go, he's going to clang this off the crossbar and Tampa's going to go the other way and score because that's how things go. But it had so many points that I, that I like, is that Paling cuts through the neutral zone, draws the defense with him. He finds Caulfield, who is cutting in on the right-hand side or left-hand side of the zone, depending on your angle gives him the puck while the defense is still drawn to him. And like you said, Caulfield has a freeway's worth of space to do whatever he wants. And this year, what we've seen from so many players is that they just shoot it first and don't look for another play. Caulfield wasn't doing that all night. He had his head up looking for plays. He finds Clegg wide open. And Clegg does my favorite thing because it's such an NHL you know online thing to do is he just steps in and rips a clapper from the slot and scores posting in beautiful sound, by the way, it was phenomenal. And that wasn't Caulfield's only really smart passing play that I noticed is that when he had that breakaway where Hedman and his defensive partner have closed in on him, he pulls up and spins and identifies that Ryan Paling is coming and Harvey Pinard is coming and they play tic-tac-toe with that. I saw a non-Dominique Ducharme system tonight in that everything didn't feel rushed or forced. It felt like there was a reason for everything. The first half's goal, I believe it was Sammy Niku who got in deep and kind of helped keep things going, or it was Harvey Penard's goal that Sammy Niku got in deep on. I'm not 100% sure if I have those mixed up, but like you said, the defense activated in the right ways. David Safar jumping up in the play and stealing that puck was amazing. Because every now and then in the offensive zone, like once every four or five games, he gets a puck and he toe drags. It's the world's slowest toe drag, but he always fools somebody. And this time he finally got the shot through or he didn't pass it off to somebody. I want to see this kind of aggressiveness. Like you can't tell me that Jeff Petrie can't do what Kale Clegg did tonight. I know Clegg is probably a little bit better skater, but Petrie's a Better shooter and better overall defenseman than he is, even in having such a brutally tough year. Let these guys activate a little bit more. The Canadians are made to play that speed and counter game. They aren't made to play slow, slogging, physical hockey right now. I know that some of them enjoy that. Michael Pizzetta likes to, but he can play with pace. And I'm hoping that Carolina's up next. That's not an easy game play like this, catch them off guard because they're expecting one version of the Canadians and you give them another and they don't have a game plan for that. You scare a lot of teams real quick.
1: Yeah, and, and to circle back on Caulfield because I think you're right, he did make a lot of plays um, where passing was his number one priority, which is not what you know. a lot of fans who kind of got the snapshot of him as a, as a prospect, they saw his shot. They didn't necessarily see his playmaking. You know, on another play, I think it was the Harvey Bernard goal where the reason why Niku was able to get that puck and move it and work his way in is Caulfield won a board battle on the other side, or at least won a 50, 50 puck battle. Something happened where he, I remember thinking, wow, he escaped with that puck. And then he he was able to get the puck East West again, not unlike what we saw on the clay goal. Caulfield's ability to see the ice, you know, all the way across as opposed to just straight up and down is a, it makes him a really dynamic playmaker as well as a, a shooter. And if he keeps making those passes, everyone in the league already knows he has a great shot. They saw in the playoffs, you know, they, they, that's the scouting report on him, but if he's able to make those passes, they're going to have to respect him as a passer as well. And it's going to open up more opportunities for him to shoot the puck. Um, So it's, it, it's been really, it was really fun to watch him, you know, sort of put on a, a a different part of his game. It's always fun watching him make, make really smart plays with the puck. Um, But You know it it was I think there's more to be seen than just his point totals watching the way that he sees the ice is really uh really really something and unfortunately fans
0: at the Bell Center are going to have to wait a while to potentially see any of the Canadians in this new look team potentially as the NHL has I don't want to call it a plan because I feel like that's being too kind to them but we're going to discuss what the NHL is attempting to do with games in Manitoba and Quebec coming up next. We are back, and now we're gonna take kind of a hard turn because unfortunately, uh, much like a couple years ago, uh, COVID is dominating much of what the news cycle is right now. And I don't think anyone likes talking about this pandemic anymore, going on two, two and a half years, however long it is, time has no meaning. But the Quebec government is not allowing fans at any events In Quebec and Manitoba is doing the same, I believe, right now. And if you pay attention to hockey at all, that means that you cannot have fans at Winnipeg Jets games or Montreal Canadiens games. And those are routinely sellout games for the NHL. That's a lot of money making there. And they don't want to play games in front of no fans because it's expensive. The Habs had to do it once as a last minute thing against the Flyers. And According to Pierre Lebrun, that was a big ouchie for the NHL's bottom line. So my thought is, I don't know what their plan is. The NHL has basically moved all games out of these provinces, I believe. I believe it's four Habs game has have been pulled out of here right now. I'm taking a look at this. Yes. Um, The National Hockey League announced today that due to COVID-related issues affecting both clubs, Detroit Red Wings and Islanders game has been postponed. Sure, that's fine. In addition, the NHL announced that due to current attendance restrictions in Canadian cities, nine additional games will be rescheduled for dates later in the season when such restrictions may be eased or lifted. And that includes games for the Canadians on January 4th, 5th, 8th, and 10th against the Capitals, the Leafs, the Sabres, and the Blue Jackets. And a game... Uh, That was supposed to be played between the Habs and the Bruins on January 12th in Montreal has just been shifted to TD Garden in Boston. And my first thought is, do they think this is going to get better by the time that these games need to be rescheduled? Because currently the way this wave is going, it's not ideal. The numbers are still going up and I don't think we've seen the peak of it in a lot of places And the goal was to have this be as regular season as possible. And my I'm looking at this right now and going, you're going to jam a bunch of games in the end of season for the Canadians. It doesn't matter. They're not making the playoffs. If they lose, they lose Shane, Wright, et cetera, et cetera. If you're a playoff team in which there are, you know, two listed in there in the Capitals and the Leafs and then maybe the Blue Jackets, depending on their season, it's. How mad are you going to be that you have to play a bunch of games and then turn around and play these later? It feels like you might as well just go, we're pausing games right now. Just pause it across the league and give it some time to slow down. Across the league, give these people their break right now. Cancel the All-Star break because the last thing you need is all these players in one area and carrying God knows what around. And then go back and start after a two-week quarantine. So I'm... I, I feel like the NHL is trying, but not trying very well to kind of formulate something here.
1: Yeah, I mean, they still definitely want to get the season done, you know, postponing games, postponing all games um, stops them from doing that. And they don't necessarily lose money if they can still play them later on in a barn that's full of people like we saw in Tampa, um, you know, playing playing games in front of no fans benefits nobody. Yes, it helps them get these games done, but the owners miss out on on gate revenue, and the players miss out on uh, hockey-related revenue. Things you know, money that's generated in those games, the players have some stake to that money. They're missing out too. Um, So it's not it's not something that that I don't think a lot of people want to see if they don't have to do it. Um, It it does kind of seem like you know half baked in the sense that I don't think the NHL had a plan coming into this season. That's what, like, we're already, you know, they're bringing taxi squads back. There should have been taxi squads this whole time. Um, you know, I don't, I don't necessarily understand why that was something that, that, you know, we needed another wave of this pandemic in order to keep in the NHL. It was sort of silly to come back this season and not see that. Um, but I think, you know, ultimately these games are going to get played they're erring on the side of, well, maybe later on, there can be at least 50% capacity in these buildings and not just nobody. Um, The nobody, no, you know, nobody going to these games is bad for players. It's bad for the owners. It's bad for everybody. So I get it at the same time. Like it's, it's very difficult to rationalize the decision-making when, you know, case numbers are going up. Hospitalizations are going to start going up again. You know, they, they lag cases by two weeks, most times. So we'll see. I'm not an expert. I'm not an epidemiologist, but it it, it doesn't seem like I agree with you. It doesn't seem like this is anything more than just kicking the can down the road. And I think for the biggest thing is that it's like they're assuming things are going to get better. And we're all hoping they do.
0: And maybe they will right now, because who knows? I'm not a virology expert right now. I'm not a pandemic expert. I'm tired of living in one. That's for damn sure. But What happens if there's something else that's worse? Like, one, yes, taxi squad should have been a thing to start the season here. Like, we haven't even touched on the fact that the Canadians signed Devontae smith Tally to a PTO for the Rocket because there's no one there right now, and that may be a subject for tomorrow's episode and whatever we're doing on that, but... What happens if more games get pushed back? Are we just going to do this thing where now you're shifting the draft and the playoffs and free agency and et cetera, et cetera. And you're one of those teams who's going deep in the playoffs. Would you have time to prepare for these things? It feels like the safety net kind of came out real quick on what the NHL was doing this season. And I know there's more stringent protocols and there's more testing and this and that. I just can't help but feel like if this plan doesn't work and things don't settle down a little bit to where, These provinces are going to open up things or if things get worse in the states where they're going to start cutting down capacity at arenas and stuff, what what does the NHL do from there? It feels like a pause would be necessary. Taxi squads is a good step forward, and I know they say it's only temporary right now, but... Man, I don't know, until like COVID's actually under control, I don't think you should do away with taxi squads right now. I mean, if you want to put more restrictions on it so they can't be used as a cap tool, that's fine. But I don't know. Um, Sorry to bring the mood down to end the night after what was a very fun game, folks. And Ian, as always, thank you so much for joining me tonight, man.
1: You bet. It's always a a pleasure. I thought we were going to get a win, but a fun game is, uh, is just as nice.
0: Yeah, and you can follow Ian on Twitter at maybe it's Ian. You can follow our show at LO underscore Canadians. You can follow Laura at The Active Stick, myself at Scott Matla. And thank you so much, everyone, for making us your first listen of the day. Make sure your second listen is Locked on Bets with your boy Q and Lee Sterling. If you ever need any help betting on sports or making your picks, they've got you covered.